This is the Jocko Underground Podcast. It's number 52. Sitting here with Echo Charles EC in the house. I was out at Gettysburg. We're doing the, the Echelon Front Battlefield, doing the Battlefield Walk. And I, I, I went on this little kind of like tangent. Not really a tangent, a riff, maybe. Sure. Riff. You know, what, what do you, you see me do this kind of thing where yeah, I'm kind of yeah. like going off about something? You digressed a little bit. No, but it's not a digression. A it's not a digression. Wait, like, what is it? Digression's well, bad, right? Digression leads us nowhere. It's a positive. Well, not necessarily. I think technically digression just means like you're going in one direction with a whatever and then you went digression off in a different indicates direction. we're not moving in a good direction, though. Like, oh, but I digress, then I have to get back to the subject. Let's say right? the initial direction, but sure. So. I diverted my comments. And anyways, we were talking about terrain. You know, you're out there on the battlefield. You can see like high ground and low ground and how important it is and impactful it is. And then I kind of went on this explaining that people are terrain. Because there's some real similarities between people and terrain. Because you, if, you, if you're a good battlefield leader, you can look at the terrain and you can figure out how best to use it. Mm-hmm. And how it's use it to your advantage, and how it's going to help you win the battle. Mm-hmm. There, we, also, you can't look at um, a hill on on the map or on the ground and be like, "Hey, I don't really like the way this hill is. I'm going to move the hill." You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You have to utilize the terrain. So people are like terrain in that they got some advantages to them. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's really, really smart at math. Cool. Where am I going to put him? Accounting department. Right, you know, yeah. oh, this person's uh, really enjoys conversation with people. Where I'm going to put him? Sales department, mm-hmm. right? So, so you have terrain, and people are terrain, and you can't look. Look, can you change them a little bit over time? Sure, but <laughs> they're not going to change a hundred percent. You can you can make some small. They're not even going to change. You're lucky to get someone to change. You know, fifteen twenty percent. They can change. Mm-hmm. Important important difference. They can change. So if you, Echo Charles, like the classic cases, let's say you hit rock bottom. Yeah. If you hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. you can change. You can be like, I'm never taking drugs again. I'm never, do- whatever. Whatever made you hit rock bottom, you're gambling, you're drinking, whatever the thing was, you can change. But I can't change you. Or it's very difficult for me to change you. Let's say you are a micromanager. I can move you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can get you to micromanage less. But unless you say, you know what, man, I am a micromanager and I know it's not good, I'm gonna change. Yeah. Then that's different. Then we can make some real progress. That's why one of the key factors of what I try and do when I work with people is not me impose the truth onto them, but show them what they're doing. Yeah. So they go, you know what, I feel like I'm micromanaging my team. And I go, yeah, you know, that probably probably feels like that to them. You know, so we, so it gets, they see it themselves, then they want to change. Mm. So what I, I ended up talking, I mean, I'm talking about this quite a bit lately, is understanding what tendencies people have, right? So that's what we have to do. We have to read the terrain of our people. Is this person a micromanager? Is this person obsessed with details? Does this person not care about details? Because if I'm like got a critical part of a project that relies on excruciating detail, mm. I'm not putting Echo Charles in charge of that project, right? Thanks. That's not your thing. Sure. It's not your detailed thing. Mm. If I have something that's gonna require a creative solution, then maybe I'm like, hey, I'm gonna put Echo on this thing because he's gonna have to see the vision and create something 
that that people will feel. Okay, well, that's an Echo Charles thing. Mm-hmm. So I've got to know and understand what your tendency is. Are you too emotional? And if you're too emotional, I've got to I've got to not only assign you into positions where those emotions will be mitigated, but I've also got to think, oh, we're about to Echo's about to get some bad news about the project. I need to go down there and make sure that he stays under control. Maybe you're too analytical, right? Where you're walking around like a robot and that something's going wrong with the team and they're all upset and you're just like, I don't know what the problem is, let's move forward, you know? And then you losing connection with your team and that's a problem. Maybe you're too aggressive, maybe you're not aggressive enough. So we can go through all these different traits. But what's important for me as a leader is just like I read the terrain on the, out on the battlefield, hey, here's some high ground, here's a, some low ground, here's a ravine, I can utilize this for dead space as we approach the target. Mm. Like, like All those things that I'm gonna study about the terrain, I have to try and understand that about my people too. So, that makes sense, right? You understand, you're tracking? Yep, fully, you're nodding, you, what, what'd you write down over there? You got commentary? <laughs> no, the, no, it's the, uh, you kind of covered it though. Be, uh, after I wrote it down, how you you know you name all these traits, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, you don't think of it in terms of like, oh, I hate that they're like that, and and they need to change or whatever. It's like you got to kind of work around it or over it or even utilize it really. Yes, in no, a lot of ways. What... So if let's say someone's um like a big one is like stubborn, right? Someone's like stubborn. Yep. So the wrong way to think about it, and this is the initial thought that that when you were talking ahead or whatever. Where if they're stubborn, like it's so frustrating when someone's stubborn and yep. they don't want to budge on something. But it doesn't have to be frustrating if you look at it in terms of hey, it's just terrain. it's like a mountain. It's like you're trying to do I don't know, something. The That's mountain's it. in the way. It's like you getting frustrated that there's a mountain there, bro. That doesn't help you at all. Nope. Right? You got to focus on what you should do. You know yep. how do you maneuver kind of thing. So two things on that. The there's a, a famous operation in Vietnam that the SEALs did where they scaled a cliff mm-hmm. to get to the target. And no, the enemy never thought that anyone would ever scale this cliff. So it's, exa- it's exactly what you're saying. Hey, here's this cliff. It seems impassable. Guess what? We're going to utilize it. Yeah. You have someone that's really stubborn. Oh, you have a project that you know is going to take a hard nose to get through this project and get everything done. Maybe that's the person you assign. And I'll tell you another thing that's interesting. With your kids, mm-hmm. you know, and you think, oh, my kid's so stubborn. Okay, what is what, how is that a positive quality? Because yeah. it is a positive quality. Candies. You know, you could say stubborn. You could also use a different word, determined. Those are almost the same words, right? Yeah, those are almost the same words. Hey, yeah. won't give up, keeps going, won't won't compromise on this. That's determination. Yeah. So, how do we, as a parent, as a leader, find the best way to utilize the human terrain and put people in a position where they're going to be successful and they're going to help the mission? Mm-hmm. So that's part one. Part two. Straight out of Sun Tzu. You got to understand your own tendencies. You got to understand your own terrain. You got to know what you are and who you are in life and as a leader. You got to recognize when you're 16 years old that you fall for girls too quick. You go head over heels, right? Mm hmm. Or you fall for guys too quick. You got to realize that. Mm. You got to say, oh, I get this feeling and I feel like I'm way out of control and I feel like I'm way too 
in the game and supportive and on board with this with with people I get around. Mm. You get hyped on them. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta calculate that. Uh, are you too quick to judge others? Are you too trusting? That's a big one. Mm. You just trust. Hey, uh, yeah, well, that sounds good, right? You can be too trusting. You gotta know that. Yeah. And this is really. You can start to recognize these things. Like, I wish somebody would have said this to me when I was 15. Because yeah. you can start recognizing this stuff when you're 15. Are you too trusting? Are you not trusting enough? Are you wandering yeah. around paranoid at everyone? Are you always freaking out? Mm. And you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna compromise. So, so you can end up there. Are you risk averse? Or, or are you reckless? You know, I'm kind of breaking these things into a dichotomy. Yeah. Like you're either or. And some stuff, you're cool. Some stuff you're, you're, you're well-balanced, which is great. So you know you're well-balanced and you know that you're pretty good at assessing risk and that's a good thing to be. Okay, cool, so you can check that one off. You don't have to worry about it too much. Mm. And then, you know, when it goes from life and then, and there's a whole bunch of other things we could talk about. You know, are you, are you careless with your money or are you too frugal with your money? Some people, some people are so frugal with their money, they're, you know, they die with, you know, all this money in the bank. Yep. And, you know, the, the, say, the old saying goes, you can't take it with you. Right. So what do you, you know, why didn't you go to the free, go to, you know, go and surf for a, a weekend mm-hmm. instead you were, didn't want to spend that gas money. Yeah. So figure out what your own tendency is, what your own terrain is. And same thing with leadership perspective. Are you a micromanager? Do you tend to be a micromanager? Do you tend to be obsessed with the details? Do you tend to get emotional? Do you tend to get too aggressive? And, and then what you have to do is you have to take those tendencies that you have and you have to put them into the calculus of your decision making. You have, to, you have to put that denominator in there somewhere on your formula to say, yeah, I know I'm super hyped about this girl, but I also know that I get super hyped about girls, so before I make this step, mm-hmm. I need to put that in the calculus. Yeah. And here's the thing with all this. You're only gonna be able to see it if you're able to detach. You're only going to be able to, guys that are super, and I keep on bringing up guys that are super hyped on girls. Why, because in the teams, <laughs> <laughs> bro, you get yes. like, you know, the guy, he meets the girl, yeah. you know, and it's just game on. Yeah. I mean, he's losing his mind. He's just <laughs> going crazy about this girl. And you know, you see it happen with girls too. Those yeah. girls that would like go full. Uh, what's the what's the movie? Uh, full on, like they're just twenty seven dresses. No, no. Uh, the girls tries to murder the guy. <laughs> oh, freaking fatal, fatal attraction! Right? There's that too. You know, so you get, you can get all these things happening. Yes. So these are what we want to watch out for. You can't see that when you're when you. Are in that zone, you don't you don't see it. Yeah. You don't see it at all. Yeah. Fine. People that lose their temper seldom recognize it. Well, they definitely don't recognize it while it's happening. Sometimes their afterthought is like, man, I should have lost my temper. Yeah. Now I'm going to jail again for punching someone up, you know? Yeah. So we have to take a step back. In order to see the terrain, you gotta take a step back so you can see it. When you can when you're standing right in front of it, just it's just dirt. Yeah, yeah. You have to get far enough away from yeah. it that you can actually make out the terrain features. So that's my recommendation. Start to pay attention to the people around you. What is that terrain? Read that terrain. Learn to read that terrain. And then take a look at yourself. 
Figure out your own train. Where are you at? Yeah. Don't let it get you jammed up. Yep. <laughs> and it tends where and then I'm, I'm kind of thinking of it because terrain can also help you, right? So we don't 100%. we don't know this uh, or we don't. I'm just totally thinking of myself. It feels like I don't. I will almost like I won't notice this idea if it's terrain or a person that's mm-hmm. like that's conducive to whatever, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you know, I you know, I you hang around with your circle of friends and they typically have the same interests as you. So it's like there's no con- contention, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're working, there kind of is. So that mountain kind of seems like kind of is in my way, as opposed to when you're with your friends, it's like, oh man, we could just jump in this river on our boat and be way and get downstream way quicker than you know. So it's so it'll work for you, and you don't like necessarily. Um, have to do any work to to utilize or whatever. But you guys, you and uh, Leif at the muster, for example, yep. you guys use a couple of good examples of this where, you know when you guys do the role play? Yep. Um, f- who's the guy, Fred, Ike? I don't know, what are, whatever the name is. Arnold. Arnold. <laughs> so the one where you go, and Arnold has a big ego, yep. he has a lot of experience, yep. um, he's hard-headed, yep. right, all this yep. stuff. So how you play on his ego, yeah. you know, where it's like, hey, your team will, Arnold's like, I'm, uh, you know, my team's not going to be down for this thing or this new change in this, you know, method B or whatever you yeah. say. That's just a classic <laughs> yeah, set, yeah. right? But Arnold then you play says, on his ego. Arnold yeah. says, there's no way my team was going to go with this new procedure. Yeah. And I kind of say, yeah, but Arnold. Those guys look up to you like you're a god. Yep. Those guys do whatever you want. He kind of like, yeah, you know, they will. <laughs> you just trap them. It's true, bro. Just, yeah, just read that terrain. It's like perfect. And then utilize the terrain. Yep. That's what that is. That's utilization of the terrain. Exactly right. Yep. You get, yeah, so it's like when you say massage, e- ego massage, mm-hmm. or like if someone's super competitive, you know how that can kind of kind of get in the way of a lot of things? Yep. Where it's like, or bro, it's not a competition. Or you can be like, oh. It's kind of like let's frame it as a competition yeah. and let this guy just roll with it. You yeah. see what I'm saying? It's like that kind of stuff. My my son is like that. Like he's the he's not competitive, but the kind where I guess a lot of little boys are like this, where you say, "Hey, you like you can't do that. Like that's too yeah. hard for you to do." And he'll be like, "Yes, I can." And then he'll like try to do it. We covered a, this is psychological reactance. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember covering that? Psychological reactance, that's why reverse psychology works. Yes, yes, exactly. Because no matter yeah. what happens, well, not no matter. People, all human beings have a tendency that if they get told to do something, they don't want to do it. Yeah. That is a ten- now, it's not all the time, it's not yeah. guaranteed, but it's absolutely a tendency. A thing, if yeah. you tell someone to do something, they don't want to do it. They have an instinct. We all have an instinct that says, I'm not gonna do what Echo yeah. just told me to do. Yeah. Now, listen, we overcome that all the time, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's there. Yeah. In most people, it's a tendency. It's part of the terrain. Yeah. So I take advantage of that terrain all the time. That's why I always say don't impose things on people. Don't impose a plan on someone. Hey, this is how we're doing it. Don't do that. Yeah. The minute I do that, I'm I'm triggering some psychological reactance from you. Yeah. That's what's going on, and I'm not yeah. going to do it. I can read that terrain all day long. Yeah. That's just like that terrain is just like the trees on the hills. It's yeah. everywhere. Every hill's yeah. got trees on it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to deal with that psychological reactance. Let's be ready. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. There you go. All right, let's get to some questions. Sure. Right, got first, some good questions. First question. <laughs> I run into uh, I know better mentality in my team. A couple of value, valuable members of the team are good for technical expertise, but in regards to team building and relationships, they don't listen or even let me elaborate on how to build relationships. They think that people just need to obey them. My problem is that 
it is in a few other areas where this issue of I know better and where and where I and other team members think they don't have the expertise as well. I don't know how much of it is me, but since I have a number of other team members that get the principles and the habits, I think it's their weakness. Their weakness. Mm-hmm. I don't know what if it's me. Okay, I don't know. Okay. It's probably them. All them. It seems to me that they misjudge my competency and overjudge their competency. They're both very sensitive to criticism as well as defensive on any slight hint of criticism. They're both kind and sensitive in other ways and with animals and with animals. So I don't know what's up. Like they lack, like they lack self-awareness because they don't allow others or themselves to criticize them. They're both very critical of others. This may be the, uh, another part. They focus on others and what is wrong or what is missing in others, but don't allow critique on themselves. I want to keep them on the team. What options would you suggest to get them to open their mind, allow criticism, and more balanced view of I know better? You know, can I go hard, can I go hard in the paint on this one a little bit? <laughs> Just to have fun with it, right? Just to have fun. Give can us I have this, some fun? Give us the straight dope. Can I have no. some fun with this one? So it's interesting, He, you know, this individual. And look, man, you listen to this answer. I'm going to go hard in the paint. I'm going to have some fun with it. Um, I'm going to actually not do what I'm about to tell you to do, which is... I'm gonna, you know, you should use an indirect approach with these folks. I'm gonna go direct with you just because we're gonna have fun right now. So, mm-hmm. you the, you say that these people think other people just need to obey them, yeah. and meanwhile, you're literally saying they need to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that classic? You're saying that they think that they're technical experts, and meanwhile, you're over here saying that you're an expert on building relationships, and they should <laughs> obey you there. You say, you know, it's their weakness. You say that they're defensive and oversensitive and they lack self-awareness. But then you say they're very critical of others. So I'm it's like me sitting here saying, Echo, you know, you you you're defensive and oversensitive and you lack self-awareness. And and I'm saying that that I'm <laughs> that I'm that they're very critical of others. Yeah. So it's me being critical of you while saying you're critical of others. Yeah. That's what that's saying right there. Uh He's saying that they come across as I know better, but this is a paragraph filled with I know better, right? So there's my fun. Okay, you see what I'm getting at here? And I know it's harsh, uh, but but these, the, the, the fact that, that the way that you, the thoughts that you have and the way you write about these openly, the way you write about these absolutely comes across in your interactions with them. There's no way that you can be that good of an actor that you think like this, the way this is written, but when you communicate with them, you come across with an open mind mm. and you come across as humble and you come across as maybe they see some things that you don't see. It's, it's not possible. Intent has a smell. And what you have, what you think, what you believe is that you know how to build relationships. They, they think they're technically good. They think they know better. That's your judgment on them. And that's going to come across. So if you think they're arrogant and you think they have a bad attitude, they are going to sense that. And that's going to put you at odds with them, meaning that they feel that you all are not on the same team. So what, what should we do here? Um, you want people to listen to you? Listen to them. You want people to 
treat you with respect, treat them with respect. You want to have influence over other people, let them have influence over you. You wanna build trust with other people, you put trust into them. That's how we build relationships with people. You've gotta give in order to get. Because it sounds like, and I kinda opened with this, it sounds like you are taking the direct approach with them. And the direct approach causes psychological reactance, which we just talked about, and it causes them to get defensive. That's why you literally say that they're sensitive to criticism and defensive on any slight hint of, of criticism. That's why when I give criticism, people, they don't even know they're getting criticized. They, they don't know what's happening, but they feel it in their heart and they start to realize that there are some things that they could do better and I didn't say anything about it other than maybe ask them an earnest question. So that's why the indirect approach works. It works because when you criticize people directly, they get defensive. So that doesn't work. So you're going to have to build a relationship with these these individuals. Build a relationship with them, a real relationship. Listen to what they actually have to say. Allow them to influence the way you're doing things. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's what we have to do. It's another thing that's reminding me of is in leadership strategy and tactics, field manual. I talked about conform to influence, meaning if you wanna influence a clique, a group of people, and you're not in that group of people, mm. you're not gonna have any influence over them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter you're the boss, doesn't matter you're a peer, or respected peer, it doesn't matter. Sure, you can impose some influence on them if you're their boss, that's, mm. that's, but that's temporary. So you have to conform, you have to build a relationship, you have to get into their group so that you can actually have some influence over them. So I know this is probably not the answer you wanted to hear and I apologize for going a little bit hard in the paint, but that's what you gotta do. You know, when you got people with big egos, guess what you have to do? You can't control their egos, you control your ego. You put your ego in check, you subordinate your own ego. You listen to what they have to say. You ask them earnest questions about why they're doing things the way they're doing things. That's what we need to do. So, Put your ego in check and start to build good relationships with these people. That's what we gotta do. Hey now, is there a .09% chance that these people are just egomaniacs that don't, that can't work well with others and you should not keep them on the team? There's a tiny chance of that. A tiny chance of that. It's minuscule. In fact, I can almost guarantee it's not. The, the, you know, It's just that these guys, you know, they rub people the wrong way. They think they know a lot. The world's filled with people like that. Yeah. Go anywhere in the world. Every company's filled with a bunch of people that think they know everything. Yep. That's the way it is. Build relationships with them. Listen to what they have to say. Treat them with respect. Maybe a little ego massage. Make them feel good about it. Hey, you know, Fred, I noticed when you were talking to Mary earlier, you were, you were, you know, you, you kind of made her feel like she didn't know anything. And I know it's hard since you're so experienced, Fred, and you do such a great job, but it'd be really, you know, see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Instead of like, hey, Fred, you can't act like a know-it-all. Like, that just, you know, I'm thinking, I do know more than you. So I am gonna act this way, what do you got? So put the ego in check, build some relationships, it's gonna move you in the right direction. Yeah, and I'm thinking of it in terms of what if I was one of these people he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So, and also if I was him, like all this makes sense. Like they're um, sensitive to criticism. Mm-hmm. I think we're all kind of, everyone's it's, sensitive. It's to hard to be 
insensitive to You've criticism. heard me say this muster before. Like 99.9% of people don't yeah. want to be criticized. Oh, yeah. Even when they say, even when I say, hey, Echo, you know, how did you like my, how did you like my uh, talk today? How did, how did yeah, you like yeah. my speech today? Yeah. Was there anything I could do better? And you're like, yeah, you know, you spent a little too long talking about cover and move. You know, like, well, yeah, I needed to explain yeah, it. You know, what, I would yeah. immediately get defensive and go on the attack. What the hell do you know? Yeah, what yeah. It, by the way, what, I'd like to see you get up there and do it. Yep, exactly. So there's, even when people say, hey, can you give me some feedback on how I did today? Yep. Most of the time, even those people right. don't actually want any feedback. That's how sensitive normal people are yes. to criticism. Yes. And it goes for all of us or whatever. And then, yeah, it, it it does come down to where, you know how like, and you talked about this long time ago a lot, where, you know, you can see see a flaw in other people. And actually it's a bias, mm-hmm. right? It's a specific, I think it's like attribution. But I forget which bias, bias it is. Mm-hmm. But it's basically like, if I do something wrong, it's just I made a mistake. But if someone else does something yeah. wrong, that's how they are. Yeah, kind of a thing, totally, right? So it's almost like, and it kind of goes along with when, you know, like name dropping, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like, when I name drop, it's like, it's real effective for what I want it to do to yeah. basically make me, make yeah. everyone think that I'm just down for, all, you know, with all these people. But when someone else name drops, it's like so yeah, obvious. God. It's essentially that. <laughs> that's what's going on. I feel yeah. where this this what could be going on. I don't know. I'm not. You know. I don't work with the, this situation. But that's hard, though. Mm-hmm. I got I'm kind of. I'm sympathetic to this guy because, like, a lot of times, when you kind of th- believe in your heart, and the thing is, you're correct. I mean, obviously, like that's the way to handle this, or whatever. But if you believe in your heart that, like, yeah, like I do. That's why I'm kind of the the boss or whatever because I do know better. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm here to help in all this stuff classic, or whatever. Classic bad attitude to have. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> you, you know, so you talk, talk to Leif about this. Like, I, when 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 I got back from my first deployment, and now I'm in Tasking to Bruiser, I conducted a bunch of direct action missions, like a shit ton. Yeah. And I wasn't like, let me show you how it is, Leif. No, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, hey, how do you think we should do it? Yeah. Why? Because that attitude that you just talked about. Well, you know, I am in charge, yep. so it's like. And you're right, it's very easy to fall into that trap. Yep. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't so fucking <laughs> badass, right? That's bad. that's what we all fall into. Like, you yeah. know, well, um, I got promoted for a reason. Oh yeah. That's the ho- most horrible thing to start off with. And think about this too, when it's like criticism, like, look, if I'm gonna, like, okay, if someone does a, I don't know, job, whatever, and there were some things that could have been done better, like, isn't it sort of my job to say, hey, like this, don't do it this yeah, way, 100%. do it this way because it's better. I know yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, I know I've yeah. done it a million yeah. times. So it's like you're criticizing their job, <sighs> but you don't mean it as a straight direct you're, you're criticism. You're just trying to help them be better. Yes. <laughs> That's just all you try. Look, hey, and this falls right into the thing we talk about. Which, look, I'm just, a, I'm just a direct person. I just don't like to play around. I'm just going to tell you how it is. Save some time. I, you know, I'm going to save some time. We're just going to come at you. Yeah. It's a bad move. And, and think about this, though. Relationship and, is paramount. And... Leadership Again, capital is paramount. I'm not even trying to be like a contrarian or trying to be devil's advocate specifically, but mm-hmm. I'm just I'm I'm demonstrating how much I sympathize with this position because think about this. Okay, so criticism, right? Okay, do in in a vacuum, is it good to beat around the bush? Look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Oh, please, vacuum, that's of course. good. Thank this you. is indirect versus direct. You yeah. know what's funny is even if he would have used the word feedback, yeah. even if in his in this note in this email, if he would have said, you know. Uh, they they get defensive with any any hint of feedback. 
Even if he would have said that, which would have been a much softer way to say, hey, listen, you know, I like to give these guys some feedback on where they could do better. He didn't say that. He said straight up criticism. Criticism. (laughs) He's in there. He's going, he's he's throwing elbows in the paint, bro. You know what I'm saying? He's like, hey, I need to give them criticism to get them squared away. A a softer word would have been feedback. An even better way would have said, hey, when I ask them earnest questions about why they're doing things a certain way, Sometimes they get defensive. Now I'd say, ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. That means there's probably something wrong with the way you're asking your earnest questions. Are they really earnest questions? Or are they accusatory questions? Because mm-hmm. they're a different thing. Right. And if your vibe is accusatory, it doesn't yeah. matter how you frame the question if your vibe is accusatory. Yeah. So you truly need to ask an earnest question from a humble place that says, hey, I'm wondering why you did it this way I've never seen it done like that before. Yeah. And you gotta expect that they have an answer. When they don't have an answer or they don't have an answer that makes sense, then you can ask another earnest question. Yeah. Have you ever seen it done a different way? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a bunch of red flags in here that to your point, we all get. Yeah. Like you, we can sympathize with the homes here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, you know, yeah. Man, I can't even give my subordinate people criticism. I know. Don't want to I don't want to beat around the bush. Ah. I don't want to dance around the issue. These are all things that I don't want to do, but yeah. I guess apparently. Yeah. Yep. So, That's, uh, build relationships. Treat them with trust. Give listen to what they have to say. Treat them with respect and allow them to influence you and you're going to make progress. Build relationships. That's what we got to do. There we go. That was one of the, the uh, one of the more valuable pieces of advice that you give generally, and that I took is like if you want to influence people, you got to let them influence oh, you. You want to you want respect from people, you got to yeah, like show them respect. Bl- that one seems obvious, life. but the influence one, yeah, yeah, that's kind of like a, a like opens kind up of, brains. Yeah, opens opens up brains. Opens up brains. Check. Okay. All next right. Question. Next question. I'm 26. Live here in Phoenix, Arizona, on the much important important discipline path in life. Looking to add a new skill, guitar. I enjoy jamming out to the the Sonos around the house. What is that? What's that? It's like a speaker Wi-Fi oh, system. Or yeah. it's actually there's something about it where it's not on. I don't know, but it's a speaker system throughout your house. It's okay. a household. Hell yeah. System. Yes, around the house, mm-hmm. singing, enjoying the time. I thought it would be a good idea to add guitar to the tool belts, so to speak. Get box. In yeah. life. Get box, hell yeah. <laughs> what guitar would you recommend buying for a complete beginner that wants to be able to jam out by the fire? Hell yeah. Planning some, <laughs> planning some Willie Nelson at the cabin up north. Also, thoughts on private lessons. Also, Echo, keep up the shenanigans on the podcast and the videos. No matter what Jocko says, they're hilariously legit. Can you that. edit that out, please? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I want to put, put that two times. All right. Uh, so... Awesome, very cool. Uh, guitar, what kind of guitar? Look, Taylor guitars made here in El Cajon, California. R- really, the suburbs of, of San Diego, so I, I definitely like the loke, loke out with the Taylor acoustic guitars. But that being said, there's so many great guitars out there. And Gibson, Taylor, Martin, Fender, they all make guitars in America. So I would just say make sure the guitar that you're getting is American made, just because obviously we're doing American made stuff here. Um, and, and then go, you, what you have to do is go try some guitars, go to a guitar store and try some different guitars and see which one that you think feels good. Kind of like there's many things in life that really do come down to personal preference. Yeah. And so find one that you think feels good in your hands. Um, and eventually you're on electric guitar. I'm a Gibson guy and you fi- you'll soon find out that there's like uh, little cults 
in in guitars. That makes sense. And so I'm part of the Gibson cult of guitars, SGs to be more specific. SG, it's like the type of guitar that I have, which I have quite a few of. Uh, based on the fact that I'm a huge fan of Black Sabbath and Tony Iommi plays it at SG. Okay, yeah. so so therefore so there's the so, truth. So listen, find a good guitar. Spend you know don't go crazy. You don't have to sp- spend it. You don't have to buy a two thousand dollar guitar right now. Don't buy a hundred and fifty dollar guitar. Most likely, right? You see what I'm saying? You don't want to get like super cheap. We just got to go buy another yeah. one in a little while. Spend. 500 700 bucks for your first guitar maybe a thousand and also check out some you know some used guitars people take good care of guitars generally speaking so try and make that happen and you can get one around that thousand dollar price range that's going to be a really good guitar and that's electric? No, those are acoustic guitars. Okay, five hundred dollars to a thousand acoustic guitar. Yeah, bro, that's way more than I thought. Yeah. Well, you can get a probably because you're used to the ukulele <laughs> coming from Hawaii. You can get a ukulele for forty bucks. That's possible. Yeah. Now I have a five hundred dollar ukulele as well. You know, because like you okay. know, you got that from King Kamehameha himself. Yeah. Huh? Okay. <laughs> he passed <All> right. down. <laughs> um, all right, so go try some guitars, and you'll find a good one. So as far as lessons go, I had to think about this because I never took guitar lessons before, but I would say if you're going to invest in guitar lessons, I would invest early in guitar lessons on your path, and then I would invest later. Hmm. So in other words, go there and get the fundamental down because there's like some little hand position stuff that I still do wrong. And if I would have learned, and I've already learned it for a long time, so I can't unlearn it. So I'd go get the fundamentals down from somebody that's a pro if you're gonna invest in guitar lessons. And then once you have the fundamentals down, then you spend a bunch of time kind of where you're doing the work, the hard work of just practice and reps. And then as you get better, where now you wanna take it to the next level, then maybe go to an instructor again. And then as far as online, man, it is insane the amount of online training there is free on YouTube. There's whole YouTube, there's, there's, Hundreds, if not thousands, of free YouTube channels how to play the Git box, yeah. right? They're yeah. everywhere. So find one of those and you'll get good. I, I know when COVID hit and my son was in uh was it they were doing school at their at the house. Yeah. And he had like like I go he never I always tried to get my kids to play guitar. They didn't always want to. Yeah. When COVID hit, my guitar from my room disappeared. And I was like, well, where's my guitar? I go down, where is it? It's my son's playing guitar. Mm. He's sitting there with the computer open, mm. doing Zoom classes. Mm. He's got his teacher on one side of the screen. Teacher's muted. His mic is muted. Mm. His face is, my son's face is on the screen. Yeah. Like he's paying attention. Yeah. Right next to that screen, YouTube, <laughs> learning guitars. He got so good at guitar in like three, four months. Mm. He got really good at guitar. Now he's playing four hours a day, sitting there allegedly taking school classes, yeah, yeah. just gaffing it all off. But uh, there's so you can learn a ton from watching YouTube or or any of those free programs that they got out there. So good luck, man. Get after it. The campfire with the Git box is a good time. So there's no like as far as buying and getting a guitar, or whatever. As a beginner, there's no like beginner guitar, intermediate guitar, advanced. Other than, like, they're just nicer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. More expensive wood. Right. More expensive, like, hardware. Yeah. 
but that's yeah you're right but, but not, the guitar is a guitar yeah like snow for example when i started uh buying snowboard shopping for mm-hmm. snowboards there's shredding. beginner hell yeah shredding. there's beginner snowboards yeah. and then there there's intermediate and then there's a more advanced and then on top of that there's like depends on where you're snowboarding mm-hmm. right like all mountain or, or pipe or you know yeah. whatever you understand you, you understand <laughs> <laughs> but so guitar is not like that it's just more like okay it's advanced because you know obviously an advanced person has more into it so they're gonna have to spend well, more money no actually so there's like there's like spanish guitars which have nylon strings there's regular guitars which have like steel strings which yeah. is what everyone's kind of used to but you know if you're gonna be playing the the spanish guitar yeah. then you need to get a spanish guitar it's a different kind of guitar yeah but that's not really that's a different method more so than a different like skill level like you look if i get an expensive guitar mm-hmm. two grand whatever wait what's expensive guitar two, two grand, grand is an expensive guitar. okay i get two i grand. mean 20 grand is a really you know you can keep going okay let's go 10 how about this 10 okay. grand guitar boom okay. i'm a beginner never played it ever in my life but i'm rich uh-huh is that like am i gonna have a harder time on that 20 nope. grand because nope. okay yeah yeah nope. that's what i think yeah because on snowboards i think that i think i don't know that the more advanced ones are more rigid. Mm. So you gotta, it's like you're more committed to your moves, I think, or something like that. It's like the, the more beginner ones are more like soft. No, so you'll be good. Yeah, you'll be good on whatever yeah. guitar you get, basically speaking. There you go. Check. All right, next question. Uh, okay. I moved overseas and was subsequently hit with fam- a family tragedy that forced me to quit my job and move stateside. During this time, I developed a drinking habit. Oof. I, for the most part, kept it together. I eventually moved back overseas to China, but but due to political tensions and eventually COVID, my employer over there could no longer continue operation. I moved back stateside and my drinking really became bad. So, so bad, in fact, that I ended up in rehab. After after spending 35 days in rehab, I stayed clean and began doing Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu five days a week for the next six months while working a bullshit warehouse job. Check. I felt my general anger towards everyone around everyone around begin to build and one day for some reason I just snapped and drank okay so he had quit for, okay gotcha I am sober again for the most part but I wonder what I have become and why I don't see life as something worth fighting for it's almost as if I do not believe my life can one day return to the quality it was I can't seem to find anything in life that I see worth continuing for I can't think of anything else I would actually want to do. Any advice? All right. First of all, out of the gate, sober again for the most part. The the words for the most part isn't a thing, right? That's not a thing. Get clean and stay clean. Just stop doing that because obviously it's something that causes you issues. So let's just not do that anymore. It's like you can't be almost pregnant. You can't be kind of sober. You can't be kind of pregnant. You either are or you aren't. And I can tell you it's not good for you. And some people, sure, they can get away with it. You can't. You know, you don't go to rehab if alcohol doesn't really mess you up. So let's get clean, stop drinking, period, end of story. That's that. Okay, anger at others, you start feeling anger at others, I think a lot of times that stems from us being angry at ourselves, at our situation. So so where are you at? Where do you wanna be? Like this is a, I, I don't like read an email like this, man, because I feel like you feel that there's nowhere to go, 
right? So part of the reason that I, that I, well, one of the things that I take from this, it sounds like you're pretty focused on yourself, right? Like, hey, I don't feel like I can get to where I want to be. And I think if you're focused on yourself all the time, then that can become an issue. And if you're not looking to see how you can help other people, that can become an issue. And if you're focused on the negative aspects of your life, that can be a horrible issue. Because I'm reading this and I'm thinking about how lucky you are as a human being. You are healthy. Like you're health, healthy enough to, to train jujitsu and Muay Thai five days a week. Do you know how many people right now would give anything to be able to train Muay Thai and jujitsu five days a week that can't do it for any number of reasons? So that's like right there is incredible. You're incredibly lucky to be in that position. You have your mind, right? You're smart enough to have a job. You're smart enough to be able to put piece your life together. You have the, you're, you're lucky enough to have the discipline to straighten yourself out. That's how you've gotten yourself back on the path in, in the past. So there's millions, if not billions of people that would give anything to be where you are right now. I mean, anything to be where you are right now in this life that you consider, you know, you don't really see why it's worth continuing. And there's, there's billions of people that would give anything to be in the situation you're in right now. So that's what's happening, and yet you are kind of caught up in the short-term vision. In, in the short-term, just looking around in what's going on in your world. So that's when we start to feel, and I've talked about this before, we f- start to feel like there's a storm cloud, and it's the storm cloud's actually only around your head, but Everywhere you look, you see storm cloud, and when you walk, the storm cloud moves with you. Anyone else, like me, looking at you and the situation you're in, I see the storm cloud is just around your head. You can just get out of that thing. You just need to push forward. So when we're stuck in that storm cloud, um, I, I like to look at what can you do to help other people to help the world. Even if it's one other person in the world, what kind of mentor can you be? Who can who can learn from your lessons? What can you do to support other people around you? How can you help out at your job? I mean, you work at a warehouse? How awesome can you be at that job? How much fun can you have at a warehouse job? You know, I was I was listening to Cam Haynes talk on on Joe Rogan and Rogan was talking about the fact that he read some article when he was a kid about guys that would get hard labor jobs so that they were in better shape. Like this is a perspective thing. You get to haul boxes around all day, eight hours a day, you're getting in shape all day long. And then you start kicking ass at that job, who's gonna run that warehouse? So what can you do at your job to excel at it? There's a bunch of things you could be looking at. And here's the key component. You can make a difference. You can make a huge impact. You can, you can help people. You can teach people. You can support people. You can mentor people. Even just the stories that you're telling right now, you could help some 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid get, have a better path in life. You can add so much value to their life. 
You can show them the path. You can show them the mistakes that you made. It, look, if you're embarrassed of the mistakes that you've made and you want to cover them up and you, you, you want to hide from them, yeah, that sucks. But if you say, hey, you know what? I've done some dumb shit in my time. Let me tell you what you shouldn't do. Let me help you out. And, and look, you're going to get people that don't want to hear that, especially an 18, 19, 20-year-old male human being, right? They, they think they know everything. So how can you use the indirect approach? How can you build a relationship with them that they start to listen to you? You see what I'm saying? Like, there's so much that you can do. So much value that you can add. And, and for me, that's the most rewarding thing, is not to, not to live a life and, and try and pursue things for yourself, but to help out others. And if you're able to do that, if you're able to help one person, one 19-year-old kid make one better decision, then that's a life worth living. And, and for someone like you, don't squander the talent that you have. Don't squander the health that you have. Don't squander the opportunities that you have. Don't squander the life that you have. Don't, don't waste it, man. Go out there and make a difference. Go out there and live. That's what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, man. Go out there and live. Yeah, the alcohol thing is like the more I realize it's just there's no benefit for alcohol. Like even like even looking at it as something that you have to like resist. If you understand alcohol for what it really is, you won't have to resist mm-hmm. nothing. It's, yeah, it's such a such a bummer um and and look i get it some people can handle it and and this question here this guy cannot handle it yeah hey that's just the way it is man you know what actually let me rephrase that you can handle it you just don't drink it and because when you drink it that's when you start to go down the downward spiral and it starts to impact everything that you're doing and you're not thinking clear. It's a depressant. It's literally called a depressant. And you know what's you know what's head t- takes you in the other direction? Jiu-jitsu. Muay Thai. Freaking let's sign up for a jiu-jitsu tournament, bro. Let's go out there and, and, and let's go out and submit some people or get submitted. Good. That's what you can do. But man, so many billions of people would give anything to be in the position you're in right now. So try and remember that perspective. And look, I, I get it. You're in that storm cloud and that everywhere you look, it's thunder and lightning and it's raining and it doesn't look good. There is light just beyond that cloud. There's sun. It's out there, man. 100%. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Matter of fact, I'll go one step further. I promise you, just outside that storm cloud, there's sun and there's light. And there's life. Go get it. Next question. Next question. I read Extreme Ownership and have listened to the podcast for almost two years now. I've been hard at work on the path 
I'm studying full-time for my bachelor's in organizational leadership through University of Arizona, training jujitsu at least three times a week and working full-time as a supervisor. In the past year at work, there has been an organizational restructuring that has allowed me the opportunity to lead in a higher capacity, influence more leaders, and even interface with the CEO and senior management team. I know I show up every day trying to be the best leader I can be for my team. I've learned so much from you in the past two years about the the indirect approach, and I've even written research papers about it for school. I'm doing my best, but, Jocko, but I'm so motherfucking tired. (laughs) I should be finished with school in less than a year, and that will give me more time to focus on training jiu-jitsu and hopefully competing. I know this craziness is short-term, and I I have to exercise discipline daily to maintain this schedule. Can you just yell something inspirational and motivational at me so I have the sound bite to help me get through the next 11 months? Well, first of all, right on, man. Um, sounds like you're doing, you're, sounds like you're crushing things, and that's outstanding. Uh, can, I, can I go hard in the paint again? <laughs> go hard in the but, paint. But here's the thing. Hard in the paint isn't me yelling. Because I don't yell and believe it or not. No one really yells motivational anything in the seal teams And you know what else is interesting? I was thinking about this as I, re- as I was listening to that question even in buds even in basic seal training There's no one that's yelling to motivate you. They might yell because you're slacking They might yell because you're not putting out and they're yelling at you at that point because they want you to quit Damn. They want you to quit. Why do they want you to quit? Because no one wants anyone in the teams that needs to be yelled at to be motivated. I, I don't want anyone that I have to work with that they're gonna that they're gonna the only way they're gonna quote get motivated is if I yell at them. So we're not doing that. You're tired? Good. That means you're getting after it. That's what that means. You got 11 more months of this? Okay, cool. Charlie Plum spent six years in a prisoner of war camp eating eating a rice ball a day, being tortured, being abused, and he complained less in his book than you do in this one question right here. Alistair Urquhart, remember him? The Forgotten Highlander spent almost four years as a POW of the Japanese Imperial Army. He was tortured. He was beaten. He was starved. He had a nuclear bomb dropped on him. He he didn't complain. William Reader. We had him on this podcast. Charlie Plum was on this podcast. William Reader was on this podcast. Bill Reader. Colonel Bill Reader. POW in Vietnam in a two foot tall bamboo cage with his legs shackled and he's trying to get some sleep but he can't sleep because the rats are gnawing at the wounds in his legs. Who, who, who is there to motivate him? Who is, who is yelling at, at Captain Plum when he was being tortured in a prisoner war camp to stay motivated? Who, who hyped up Alistair Urquhart to, to make it another day as a starving slave in the jungle. Who, who hyped him up? No one. 
So no, I'm not going to yell something at you. I'm not going to hype you up. I don't need to. You just need to get some perspective and wake up in the morning with that perspective. The perspective is some examples of which I just gave you that life is short and every second is precious. So put your freaking head down and keep getting after it. There you go. A little hard in the paint. Yep. It's, it's interesting though, like they're not yelling at you at buds to like, like they're not like, come on, you can do it. They don't do that. They're literally yelling at you to quit. Yeah, yeah. They're saying, quit. We don't want, they say, we don't want you. Yeah. We don't want you in the teams. That's what they're saying. They're not saying, come on, you got another one. They don't say, they never say anything like that. It's yeah. the most negative environment I can imagine. Yeah, that, remember um, there was like a documentary, like a classic documentary. And I, th- I want to say it was in the 90s. I'm not uh-huh. sure, but I forget. Oh, the, the Buds documentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And, I know the, exactly and I remember watching that. It's on the Discovery Channel. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I remember what, and this guy's like, um, hey, well, we're here training for simulated combat and you're failing. Like just yelling at this guy, like right, and I'm like, dang, bro, like why you gotta make him feel so bad? Like that's not anger. This is before I knew like the tactics or whatever. And then um, later on, uh, it could have been in that one, it could have been in a different one. Um, but he's like, hey, like you're like you're not cut out for this. Like no offense, you're not cut out for this. Like if you if we went to combat, like sorry, you'd be the only guy and you'd get your other guys killed. So like I'm sorry, like but you're not cut out for it. like straight yeah, up. Yeah, like it is bro. the most non motivational stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you want. Can you imagine like we're going on a combat operation and we have a long patrol in and it's ten kilometers and it's hot and you're carrying 120 pounds worth of gear and I'm like. I'm like, Echo, I'm tired. And you're like, come on, Jocko, you got it, buddy. Mm. Like, no, that doesn't exist. It's not Mm. a thing. Yeah. Intrinsic motivation. Mm. We got the, we got the shit kicked out of us when I was in basic seal trains and the the instructor that was kicking the shit out of us was like you need to have intrinsic motivation. It's got to come from within you or else you shouldn't be here. Mm. And he kicked the dog shit out of us in the middle of the night. They had these little, uh, behind the barracks, there were these, uh, like, ditches that were filled with seawater. Like, when the tide would come up too high or something, they were kind of like emergency ditches, and they would fill. They were just mud and rocks. It was horrible. We were doing buddy carry sprints through those things at 1 o'clock in the morning, Mm. trying to see if we could find our intrinsic motivation. (laughs) Some of us found it. Some of us didn't. (laughs) I understand completely. All All right. Put your head down and keep getting after it, bro. You got this. 11 more months. Go hard. Next question. Next question. I'm 47. I started jujitsu and started jujitsu in May 2021, so last year. Mm-hmm. In July, I tore my meniscus, Ooh. and it took till December to feel like it was in, pl- in a place where I could go back. Since then, I've found every excuse not to train. I've mm-hmm. come to the realization that it's fear of another injury. I love lifting, and the last one really screwed up my squat and deadlift progress, how can I get past this? That's a rough one. And a lot of people yeah. don't recover kind of Correct. from that kind of thing, oh, right? Yeah. Yes, um, they get hurt, that's that, and they don't want to get hurt again. But I don't think that's a great thing. I think actually you need to get back on the mats. And so here's what I think in a situation like this. You need to give yourself an out. He says he's like kind of finds an out. Give yourself an out, but not out of the mats. 
what do I mean by that? So um, go train, go learn moves, go drill the techniques, go roll with people that are controlled and that are good partners. Look, you started training at 47 in May of 20, 2021. There's a, there's a, a danger zone in jujitsu. It's probably, what do you think, Echo, six months? Maybe a year long? It's probably a year long. Yeah. There's a year-long danger zone that you didn't make it through of where people, you're a knucklehead, the people you're training with are knuckleheads, you don't understand positions yet, you don't understand bad positions, your partners don't understand bad positions. So there's a a, like a one-year red zone of jiu-jitsu where your chances of getting hurt are much, much higher. Your ego's in play, your lack of abilities in play, your partner's ego's in play, your partner's lack of abilities in play. So you didn't make through that. You didn't make it through that. Now, you don't, there's a way to safely navigate the red zone. How do you do that? Roll with people that are controlled and good. Keep your ego in check. That's what you need to do. So when I say give yourself an out, the out that you give yourself is you give yourself the out to say when some psycho white belt that's 23 years old, juiced up, comes over and is like, let's roll. You go, hey, man, I'm not rolling with you. I appreciate it, but no, I'm, 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 I, I'm, I'm too, you literally say, I'm too old to roll with you. Mm-hmm. That's what you say. Or, I, hey, I'm too injury prone, like a little baby, and I don't want to roll with you. That's right. That's what you got to do with your ego. Mm-hmm. That's your out. Or you've done four rounds. Now you're feeling tired. You feel like you might get in a compromise. You say, you know what? I'm not doing another round. I'm going home now. Your ego's your ego doesn't want to say that. Your ego wants to suck it up, get one more. What would you say there, Big Jack? You know, <laughs> Big Jacked Up Jack. Yeah. That dude wants to roll with you. Don't do it. You need to give yourself an out. Bow out of these things, because we all, dude. I look. I mean, we all like to lift. We all want to be strong. Exercise is mentally and physically powerful. Right has a huge impact, as Echo pointed out in one of our earliest podcasts. Exercise is the most positive thing that you can do for all aspects of your life. Really, truth. Like if you want to, if you want to have the biggest impact on everything in your life, the best thing you can do is exercise every day. So we don't want to risk that. We don't want to risk that power. Check this out. You can blow out your back deadlifting. You can blow out your knee squatting. That's that can happen. By the way, both those things also do to ego. When you're like, dude, I'm getting to 500 today. <laughs> Get it right? Yeah. Boom! <laughs> there goes a disc. Mm-hmm. Freaking herniated discs come popping out of your, your back. <laughs> Compound herniation of discs. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> so that's due to ego as well. Mm-hmm. So just like you need to keep your ego in check in the gym. With the weight, with the barbell, you need to keep your ego in check on the mats of justice as well. So that's what I would do. I would really be careful about who, how I rolled with. I might not even, I might not even roll with anybody for a while. I might try and get pretty proficient. I might take some private lessons. You know, nice thing about being forty-seven. We hope you're a little bit further along in life, or maybe you can get some private lessons going. You know. Maybe you take one of your buddies or two of your buddies. You can you can say, hey, you know what? Let's take some private lessons. We can train with each other. We can split the cost with the instructor. All of a sudden, you can make it a little bit more affordable. So what can you do so that you can still learn jujitsu, train jujitsu at a, a level that's appropriate and a level that's not going to get you hurt? And then as time goes on, you'll be able to roll more and more. 
that's what I would do. Check your ego and go train some jujitsu. I would say in addition, if if you didn't say, I don't think you said, um, but go back like as soon as humanly possible. Like go back <sighs> yeah. right now, yep. Yep. if yep. you can, because the more time that goes by, the more because really it feels like anyway. Given the question that it feels like it's like a psychological block, you know, like mm-hmm. get back on the horse kind of a thing. You know, now he's gun shy to go. Um, and I was in this boat in a lot of ways, you know, in other ways as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes sense, you know, you just preservation deal. I get mm-hmm. it. But if you go back soon enough. It'll like essentially like it'll take the place or the activity itself when you get used to it will take the place of that unknown like anxiety. Yep. The, the good thing too is like I'm saying you need an out. You're out is like, hey man, I tore my meniscus last week or uh, six months ago. I, I can't roll. Yes. Cool. Don't roll. Yeah. And that's a good mental approach while you're there. But the, the more time that goes on. Yes. That you don't get back on the horse, like the bigger of a yeah. deal it'll be. Yeah, that's a know? real thing. Get back on that horse. Yeah. My wife, who's a, a, a horse rider. Sure. You know, even when she was growing up, she's like, if you fell off that horse, it was like you were getting back on that horse right now. Yeah. No playing around. Her mom would just be like, get back on that horse right now. Yeah. Jump that thing again. Because she was jumping over Shit with her horse, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. She was jumping over things thing. and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> jumping so, over things. Yeah, she fell and fall, fallen off those horses before, a bunch of times. Cool. And you just got to get back on it. So that's what you got to do, bro. Yeah. Get back on that jujitsu horse. Yeah, like wow. right now. Right, like now. right now. Just right go. Now. Just plan yep. it and go. And Today. you have the out. Like you don't even have to go crazy in no. there. Just get back in there. Get just back get back on. There. Like here, and you probably don't feel this, or it doesn't seem like you ever feel this, but. So there'd be certain times where like, um, like I remember back in the day when I used to do tournaments all the time mm-hmm. after a tournament, I'd take like three, four days off mm-hmm. sometimes, not all the time. I remember after, like going back to class or whatever, I'd feel kind of nervous, mm-hmm. like going back to training and stuff like, oh, are people going to try to like get me now that I won this tournament or whatever, right? All this stuff would yeah. go in my mind. It's weird. <laughs> And then literally the moment that I get on the mat and feel the actual physical mat that's, on that's me. Tommy. <laughs> Or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a guy like sitting or standing in front of you or whatever, it's like all the nervousness is just gone. Because yeah. it's like you're, you yeah. know, this is, like, this is my comfort zone, yeah, you know, what like whatever. But when you're not there to like do it, it's like that, it's weird. It's that distance. It's Mikey almost. and the dragon scenario, right? Yeah, like in a really weird yeah. way, yeah, in your mind. Where even though you know about the dragons, but you've been away from it mm-hmm. for they a grew. little bit, they, they kind of grew. grew. They yeah. grew, bro. All right. Yeah. Don't be afraid of the dragons. All right. Uh, with that, Thanks for joining everybody. Thanks for supporting in all the different ways you support. Appreciate the questions. Some good questions this this uh, this week. So stay on the path. You know, jockofuel.com, originusa.com, jockostore.com, echelonfront.com, extremeownership.com. There's all kinds of dot-coms you can check out. <laughs> and we'll be there. We'll also be on the interwebs kicking it then i've been hammering twitter a little bit lately i, got back on the, there I don't know if he, was elon gonna buy that thing what's up that's the uh that's the word on how the many streets. bots do you think there are on there i don't know what percentage twitter's saying it's less than five percent well last or I heard around five percent like, oh i don't know i heard it was like a lot like yeah. 20 or some like ridiculous percent yeah. but that was a long time ago oh, okay i think elon's afraid that it's 40 or 50 percent bots there's a lot of bots man yeah. A lot of bots. So anyways, we're on there right now, I guess. I'm not a bot. For the time being, I'm not a bot either. Echoes at Echo Charles. I'm at Jocko Willink. And we really appreciate you supporting and hanging and kicking it and staying on the path. So keep doing it. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. 
out.